Welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I am help- here to help you. Hopefully I'm here to help you. Yeah, I'm definitely here to help you go from a life of burnout, brokenness, and despair to one that is joy-filled, sustainable, and that you absolutely fucking love. So true. Because really, really, we do not have to be miserable. We do not have to have to be in those self-imposed golden handcuffs. We really can do the stuff that we love. And it may take some adjustment, and it's going to take some work. But you can do hard things. Speaking of hard things, I'm going to talk with my guest today, Dr. Vanessa Klugman, about some really rock bottom hard things in her life. I just want to say up front, I so appreciate Dr. Klugman for being very transparent and very open about the topic that she's going to talk about. She specifically does resiliency recovery coaching because she is a physician that is in recovery. And I will let her tell her whole story. But I just have to say that when I met Vanessa several, several months ago, she just has a very special place in my heart. And I'm so glad that I finally was able to talk her into coming on the podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it and then stick around afterwards for my kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Vanessa Klugman. It's so great to have you here today, friend. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I finally got you in a corner and got you, you on here. <laughs> and I'm just so glad to. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world who you are and what you're doing in the world. Sure. So I um, practiced endocrinology in private practice for over 20 years until June of 2015. And at that time, I actually came into recovery for an addiction to prescription painkillers. And because of the actions that I took to get the prescription painkillers, and we can talk about that, like exactly what happened later if you want, and I'm happy to talk about that, I ended up um, relinquishing my DA license. And that subsequently ended up causing my medical license to be suspended. So literally, my career was suddenly put on complete and absolute halt I could not practice medicine. And, um, you know, I was just um, really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to, I needed meaning, I needed purpose. That's always been so important to me. And I became, during my recovery, I became really passionate about supporting other people struggling with addictive habits. Um, so what I did was I ended up training as going through a one-year training as a life coach with a specialty in addictions and started my business, which was resilience recovery coaching. And so, yeah. and that's yeah. how we met. Yes. We right. Did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, oh my God, this is so fascinating. Yeah. And right. just yeah, your- I reached out to you. Yeah whole journey has been, and we've gotten to know each other, I would say approximately over the last year. Mm -hmm. And I've really seen your addiction coaching. It's, it's blossoming. It's starting to, to spread out a little bit more. 
Yeah, recovery coaching is definitely taking off. You know, the idea of coaching and recovery coaching and supporting people who have um, habits that are concerned about habits that aren't serving them and that they feel stuck and um, it's, the habits actually causing them pain. And so through coaching, what we do is we like help people create these strategies like to change their behavior and then provide accountability so that that enhances their chances of success in changing their behavior. So yeah, there, this is a whole new area of um, or new people, new groups of people who are involved in treatment of addictions or of addictive habits. Yes. And yeah. I really, I love how this is flourishing and coming out because not every recovery program fits every single person. And especially when we start talking about physicians. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's a whole, um, you know, in the past, it's always been AA is the only way to recover. And I think that an AA is wonderful. You know, 12-step programs are great because they provide a community support and they have their steps that are really wonderful, but it is not for every single person. And there are other ways to recover and there are other groups you can join. And there's such a flourishing now of um, groups like She Recovers, which is this other group that I've become a part of, which is really an international group of women in recovery and was started by Dawn Nichol in Canada and her daughter. And it's become an international movement. And their philosophy is we're all in recovery from something, right? So whether it is substance use, whether it is burnout or perfectionism or codependency or grief, everyone's in recovery. And we recover, we, we each have our own individualized pathways and patchworks that we create that are useful for us in recovery. And there's no one right way to recover, right? And we support each other in our various pathways to recovery. Yeah, I and, really loved you. And in, you've introduced me to She Recovers and just following the work that you're doing and what the whole organization is doing. It's just such a beautiful model. I, mm-hmm. I love the inclusiveness of it. Mm-hmm. I'll have to put a yeah. link in the show notes. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful, website, it's a to beautiful well. group. And what it, and also um, the whole idea in that is that when you're, when you are ready, you recover out loud, which is like what I'm doing now. Right. So you, you share your stories, but only when you're ready. And it's a whole idea of we collaborate and we don't compete with each other. We're there to collaborate and support each other. So they have, like She Recovers has these awesome like sharing circles now that they meet once a month and it's for women in recovery from anything. And they have the same topic in each sharing circle all across the world each month, right? So it's that same unity in the, in the topics. So Is that if, how you came into recovery was by finding She Recovers or where did you find them along your journey? So I did not find them initially. Initially, I went into, I was told by my licensing lawyer to go into a treatment program. So I did like an outpatient treatment program. She recovers, I don't even think was actually in existence when I came into recovery five years ago. So along my path, just looking for different um, options for women in recovery, I just happened across She Recovers, I think, on the internet. I literally think I just, it was just by chance that I happened across it, but it's really becoming um, much more available, much more um, out there. People are seeing it and yeah. And actually I'm going to be hosting, I'm very excited because I'm going to be facilitating a She Recovers 
um, retreat for healthcare professionals in Maine. Um, so in June, so that's going to be a wonderful retreat for women healthcare professionals to come and to rest and to just get radical self-care. And it's going to be about returning to self, you know, self, self-awareness, self-compassion and self-efficacy. Those that's kind of going to be the focus of that retreat. Yeah. Is this going to be the first one specifically for healthcare professionals? Yeah. This is going to be the first one for healthcare professionals. I thought you were a trailblazer. Yeah. (laughs) And she's going to have one for legal profession. We're going to have one for legal professionals that some other legal um, lawyer is going to run that one. So yeah. I love it. I love where you have used this portion of your story to continue forward. And the word that you picked today going along this whole theme mm-hmm. is resilience. Tell yeah. me and tell everyone else. I mean, I kind of know, but tell us again <laughs> why you picked this word and why it's so important in your life. Yeah, I just, well, I chose my coaching practice to be resilience recovery coaching. So to me, I think resilience is, and I think everybody knows resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity, right? But to me, it's more than that. It's not only bouncing back from adversity, it's growing from your adversity. So you don't just bounce back, you actually grow and become a more fulfilled and um, have more meaning in your life. And so I think the idea behind resilience is that, what I love about resilience is that it is a teachable skill. So that's something, you know, it's not, we aren't, it's not a personality trait, right? So some people are more resilient than others because of their background, because of their trauma history, because of their attachment issues. And so those things can make us less resilient, but we can teach anyone how to become more resilient, right? So that's a lot of what I do in my coaching. And I think inherently there are certain characteristics that make people more resilient. And by helping my clients learn those characteristics, I help them then be able to show up in the world they want, the world the way they want to, right? So how do I want to show up in this particular horrible situation or in this argument? Or how do I want to show up um, in my parenting, right? Um, so it's, it's the ability to show up in that way. Um, and so resilience for me is about that, being able to show up the way you want to show up. You know, and as you're talking, what I'm thinking about is like, you know, as physicians, we can be really resilient in some ways, like through sleep deprivation and, and delivering bad news and, and doing hard things when it comes professionally. But I know for me, there's been some spaces where I have lacked resiliency in my life. Um, but yet I felt like I was an overall resilient person. Do you find those trends with people that you work with that there's kind of stronger points, weaker points? I think that some, yeah, I think that's a great point, Erin. I think some people are more resilient in certain aspects of their life, right? So, and yet when you say um, what's questionable is like, I'm resilient. I push myself through and I don't sleep. The problem with that, though, is that um, you eventually get burnt out, right? So that isn't really truly being resilient. I mean, it's pushing, it's getting through something, but I don't know how, you know, it's like you're bending, but do you break? Or do you bend and you come back up? And I think resilience is flexibility, right? You can be flexible, you can bend, 
and you can come back up when things, so you have that ability to like, you know, like the tree that bends in the wind and then doesn't crack, doesn't fall over. It actually is able to come back up. That's resilience, right? And I, I love your definition because I feel like that's what true resilience, because I came through training when, um, as a resident, we started to have to do like resiliency training bullshit uh-huh. and it didn't feel good to me. And, and it felt mm-hmm. like, why are you trying to make me tougher? I'm already, you know, doing the things I need to do. And I think it's because it wasn't this authentic resiliency that you're talking about. It was more coping mechanisms and skills rather than really looking at it and saying resilient, true resiliency is that flexibility to go to the edge, but then to understand you've got to come back to the midline right? Right. and recognizing that. And so I'm just so glad that you illustrated that point because I feel like people are throwing the word resiliency around and they're almost like mucking it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's some actual fact things that you can find typical traits of people who are resilient. So people who are resilient are going to reach out for help, right? They're going to be that person who's going to say, this is too much for me and I need some help. The person who's resilient is going to be, um, have really good ability to regulate their emotions. Right? So that's part of resilience, like not getting stuck in an emotion, not suppressing or, or repressing sadness, but being able to regulate the full gamut of our emotions. That's part of resilience. Um, you know, a person who's resilient is able to um, have realistic optimism about things in life. So not Pollyanna optimism, you know, everything's going to be great, but I, there's a good future and I can be realistic about it and in my approach to it. So there are these factors that help us be more resilient and that resilient people have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is the view that I want to move forward when using the word resiliency Mm -hmm. rather than maybe Mm -hmm. the trauma of resiliency training and Mm -hmm. residency. (laughs) Yeah. Right, which doesn't sound like it was really about resiliency. It was more about pushing, 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 get was, through. You know, really what it felt like was your armor's not strong enough, so we need to plate you up a little more. Yeah. Or your sword's not strong enough, so we yeah. need to sharpen the edge. Yeah. Rather than really paying attention. And, and like you said, that true definition of resiliency is, is knowing your limits. And like when you get close to it, saying, I am a resilient person, and I know at this point, to best serve me, I need to ask for help or I need right. to rest right. or I, I need to ask how else can I go about this yeah. rather than just pushing through. Well, at least in your medical school training, there was some concept of resilience. In my medical school training, there was nothing, right? Because I was before you. Then there was you and now my daughter's in medical school and now they're, it's about wellness and they're trying to incorporate concepts of wellness. Although it's still an issue, right? So they're giving my daughter, just recently, my daughter was in a lecture where they're about to take step exams, you know, in a few months, and they're all stressed out and studying like crazy. And in the midst of it, they're, they're giving them wellness um, lectures, and no one is paying one bit of attention because they're all sitting there studying on their flashcards because they can't, eat, they don't have time for wellness, right? So it's, it's so hard. It's just challenging to figure out how to change that whole system. Thinking as perspective from as as mom to someone in medical education, what do you help to hope help her with? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's an awesome question. So I think that what has really changed for her is seeing what happened to me um, and seeing how the lack of, I had an inability to set boundaries, right? With my work, my patients, um, so that they, and, my, and it crept into my home life. It was everywhere. My computer, my checking my, my chart messages, my answering phone calls to patients who had my cell phone number, you know, certain patients. And so she saw how that not setting boundaries and that inability to take care of myself before anyone else ended up almost destroying me and did end up in the loss of my career. So what she has learned is she's really done some great work herself in terms of learning about how to, she's in, she involved herself in a group, in a therapy group that was involved in, how do we look after ourselves? What, what does self-care actually truly look like? Um, what, you know, what is self-care? What is setting a boundary about? Why is it important to set boundaries? So she went into medical school with such a different perspective than I did and such a different way of viewing how she wants to practice medicine that I think she's really benefited from what I went through. Yeah. Cause how old were your kids? Um, when kind of you were in the midst of like before you got into recovery, like before the DEA came in and everything, how yeah. old were they? Yeah. So they were in, so they were, um, like my daughter was about 20. And I had one who was 20, one who was 22, and my son was like 17 years old. Mm -hmm. So they were at that age. So they had seen me practicing medicine for a long time. It was just during their growing up years. Yeah. Like they, and they saw the, they saw what practice, how it was, like you said, creeping in to mm -hmm. your home life. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. care to share your story a little bit more as yeah. far as yeah. uh, with yeah. our audience? Yeah. I mean, I think so. What ended up, what happened was, you know, I, I really was someone who I kind of knew I wanted to be a doctor from when I was a little girl. Like I decided when I was five or six, I just was like my, I had a lot of um, role models of people in my family that were doctors. Um, that my family values were very much centered around academic achievement and service to others. So it was natural for me to decide to be a doctor. So I decided to be a doctor when I was really little. Um, and I never veered from that course. You know, I just, I never took a moment off. I just went from college to medical school to residency, the whole bit. Um, and really, I think I was someone who, um, you know, I ended up with an anxiety disorder when I was like in my late 30s. And looking back, really that was because of my constant pushing and perfecting and pleasing everyone and that constant need that I had for approval um, and my inability to set boundaries or look after myself. And so I ended up with this anxiety, ended up being put on anxiety medications, was treated for my anxiety. Um, and then subsequently, my anxiety really started. Oh, then, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of how this all goes. I ended up being prescribed Vicodin for a, um, when I fell and had a broken arm and a frozen shoulder and I was given Vicodin and it had this kind of magical connection for me. You know, it wasn't, it didn't cause 
which I learned later, it didn't cause what everyone else gets, which is like a little bit of fatigue. They get tired when they take Vicodin. I felt energized and I felt my anxiety lift. So it was helpful to me. And after a while, I was like, you know, I am actually taking this Vicodin inappropriately. And I went to my husband and said, I think I'm addicted to the Vicodin. Threw it all away, went through a withdrawal, didn't go into treatment, just was like, okay, I'm powering through this, get rid of the Vicodin. And I went on for a few years and it was okay. And then my anxiety got really bad. And really, truly, I think the parts of the reason why my anxiety got bad was that work had changed significantly for me. My practice, the practice of medicine, wow, so different than what I went into. You know, I started way before electronic medical records. There was a huge stressor of trying to learn that and incorporate it into my practice. Then there was like the insurance companies coming in and all those prior authorizations and the endless amount of time on the phone I was spending and, you know, business people coming in and making it about making money and productivity and my charting and messaging. And there was so much pressure that I literally felt I wasn't living. Um, I wasn't doing what I was what I had signed on for. I wanted to take care of my patients. I wanted to sit and talk to them. I wanted to have to have eye contact, to like really get to know my patients. I had no time, right? So, and the medicine was creeping into my life and I was bringing it home and it was everywhere and it was in my bed at night. And I was, on. so there was a lot of anxiety around that. Then there was anxiety around my children, you know, children growing up, my parents getting sick, trying to take care of them. Um, and I tried to stop one of the medications that the psychiatrist had prescribed, which was a long-acting benzodiazepine, right? Because I thought it caused, might cause dementia. There were studies about that. And as I did that, my anxiety flared. And I, I coincidentally got it, uh, prescribed Vicodin again for an implants that I was having and alleviated my anxiety. And I thought, I need this around if I have a fear of anxiety. And so I ended up, but I couldn't, I didn't ran out of my prescription. So I went to visit an elderly patient at her home and I took Vicodin out of her medicine cabinet, out of her medicine, her bottle in the bathroom. And I did that over a period of time, over a year. And then her and her son was a DA agent, um, which was just coincidental. And so they suspected I was doing this and they set up a sting and planned that I would come in, they would videotape me and arrest me. And I got arrested. And truly, that was the most traumatic day of my entire life. And like that pedestal I put myself on of perfection was just like completely shattered that day. And, you know, I just was like in complete and absolute shock. And in denial, I thought I would be back practicing medicine the following week. Little did I know like how much repercussions this would have on my medical license. So I ended up going into treatment thinking, I'm not an addict. Like, why am I an addict? I, I'm not physically addicted. Like, and then I, when I understood like addiction is actually continued use of something despite really adverse consequences, I was like, oh yeah, I, uh, maybe I'm an addict. Yeah, I guess I'm an addict. Okay, I need to grow. I need to learn. I need to transform. I need to figure out what brought me here and make some other meaning out of my life. And so that's why, that's why resilience is so important to me as well, because I really drew on my resilience skills at that point. I could have fallen apart, got stuck, said, poor me, I'm a victim. Why did she do that to me? Instead, I was like, this happened. I need to bounce back from this and figure out what the meaning behind this was. 
Right. And that's now your purpose essentially is you are gathering others who mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. ready to change habits. And like mm-hmm. you said, uh, the motto of she recovers is that we're all recovering from something. And right. so that's why you call yourself a recovery coach. Yeah. 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 So it and all turned out okay in the end, but it was a rough time to go through. Absolutely. And yeah. I would just put a call out now to any of our listeners out there that, you know, whatever it is, I feel like Vanessa is a great, great person to have in your back pocket when it comes to this. So tell people a little bit how they can, they can talk with you. Yeah. So, you know, if someone is struggling with a habit that's really not serving them anymore um, and, you know, they're feeling stuck, they're feeling alone, I would love for them to reach out um, and they can reach me at my website through my website, Resilience Recovery Coaching, or through my email, Vanessa Life and Recovery Coach at gmail.com. Um, and I would love, I'm really excited wanting to get into medical schools and residency programs to share my story and talk a little bit more about the resources out there for people who are struggling, because I really, it's very important to me to help reduce the stigma around addiction in the healthcare profession. Um, It still exists. People are afraid to come forward and to say, you know, to say I have a problem because they don't know the repercussions on their medical licenses or what's going to happen. Um, And that's part of what happened to me. I felt trapped and I didn't know how to come forward. I was seeing a therapist. I was afraid she would report me. So if you are that person, please reach out to me because I know that there are resources out there. I know you're not alone. I know there are ways that we can, you know, intervene sooner than when you, than when I, you know, what happened to me. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the huge reasons that I wanted you to come on Dr. Me first, because you are just the example of hope and inspiration that oh, you just mean so much to me, Vanessa. So thank oh, you so much for thank coming. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Oh, I, I just love you so it. much. I'm so excited that you are part of Physician Coaching Alliance as well, yes. which yes. is a group of coaches, physician coaches that we're, we're all working together. And we believe that community over competition is where we're going to go. And so I'm just so excited to, to exemplify you and share you to my community. And yes, I know that there is someone that this episode is for. So I just hugely encourage you reach out to Vanessa. She is ready and willing to talk to you just today. And just to add to that at the end, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse.